0: Welcome to Audio Gyan with Kedar Nimkar, a podcast that documents insightful conversations with Indian designers, artists, musicians, writers, thinkers, and creatives of all types. Catch us on iTunes or visit audiogyan.com for more Gyan sessions. Here's your host, Kedar Nimkar.
1: Today, I have Professor Diman Panchal with us on Gan. He graduated from NID Ahmedabad in 1980. With career spanning around four decades, Diman sir has worked in all possible fields of design from industrial design, product design, exhibition to education. Professor Diman Panchal is the key driving force at Maharashtra Institute of Technology, Institute of Design, Pune. And today we are here to know what it takes to bring design to into the living room conversations and his thoughts and ideas about education, design education in general. So thank you, Demon sir, for giving us your time. And it's a real, real
2: honor to have you on audio again. I'm feeling honored as well. Thank you, Kedar for calling me uh, on this platform. And I must, uh, you know, congratulate you on the kind of intent with which you are doing these interviews. And, uh, I'm, I'm sure, uh, you know, whatever the content that you're generating mm. will benefit the generations to come. So I congratulate you again for your uh, audio gyan. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, 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 even
1: I, I hope for, look forward to... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, sure. Um, so,
1: sir, I wanted to uh, start off by first, if you can paint us a picture of like design education in India um, and to paint that if you can refer to other disciplines, uh, how... Uh, deeply they are penetrated into the market as opposed to design mm-hmm. how adolescent or how nascent is it or how deep-rooted is it mm-hmm. whatever your general observations yes. because you've been
2: in the education space for quite some time so. sure. see Kedar the way I would look at it is um, you know I think if you look at the stricter sense of design that we know today say for example verticals of industrial design and communication design and fashion design and all of that yeah i mean it may be um as young as uh, probably started in early 50s and 60s mm-hmm. but if you expand the boundaries of what we call design uh include say arts and visual arts and fine art and you know even architecture and other things it dates back even much earlier i mean in, in india in india if you look at jj school of art uh, yeah uh, which actually got its um, you know first uh, Uh, degree in architecture, which started in as early as 1952. Mm -hmm. So, and of course, I'm not talking about medicine and other things, which has much, much, much earlier history, like the first uh, medicine school started in uh, Calcutta. So, in terms of formal design, uh, yes, it is very nascent, but, you know, let's not forget the whole craft history this country has. Mm. I mean, you know, we very conveniently forget uh, that Extremely potent and very, very um, important aspect of design, which is craft. So, if you now look at from that perspective, it dates back correct, as okay. many years as you can imagine.
1: But it was mainly either guru-shishya or then occupationally, it it formed in a lineage, like correct. the the father used to teach
2: the son and correct. the son used correct. to see it. So. correct, correct. Yeah. So, but formally, design. It was interesting. There is a concept called Hunnarshada, by the way. Okay. Uh, that hundarshara that you will actually find in even smaller cities and towns where people actually could go and enroll themselves to learn a particular talent or a particular skill. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you if ever travel from Chennai to... Uh, which is that uh, place where there are these large boulders on which carvings... Ramgarh.
1: Chitradurga. Mm,
2: no, no. I'll, I'll remember that okay, name. Okay. On that... Highway, there are schools that actually teach you how to do sculpting and make gods and goddesses uh, idols. Oh wow! You can enroll yourself, and it's as as old as uh, the whole craft itself. Mm-hmm. Like in Gujarat, for example, there are Hunar that actually used to teach people how to do uh, jewelry making. So it is not necessarily that the jeweler's son would become a jeweler, but they would also collectively, like a like a cluster. Would start a school in which they would teach mm-hmm. the skill of you know uh, making jewelry. So, th- see, these these things did exist in our country. Somehow, it it never got formalized. Uh, but I I I have worked with the diamond industries, even uh, people who polish diamonds. There were schools in which you can go as a young kid, you know, and then start learning the hunaar as it's called. Mm-hmm. So. These things did exist, but in a in a kind of a way that they were not more visible and you know uh, and and not seen as a career option. Mm, mm. So yes, I you know so the this, word only says huner is huner is skill, skill. Yeah, yeah. Anyth- anything which you are so good at, it mm, becomes your huner. Correct, correct. So it's not really looked at as an occupation. No, no, it's no, but no, a skill. No, which it's you, just the skill development. Correct, you know, or what we. See, today i mean you you are aware that the the you know the prime minister has set up this nsdc and other interesting platforms where uh, you know school of uh, skill development corporation national skill development corporation um, and also uh, several other skill development uh, uh, platforms that has been generated which also includes uh, internet of things and other things hmm. somehow we didn't look at it as a viable option to become a professional. Hmm. It's just now recently, uh, now people have actually talking about skill development. Hmm. It already existed in our country. Some of it never got formalized. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. You know? uh, that's, a, that's a very interesting connect, which many other countries were successfully able to do. Hmm. Like say, for example, traditional textiles and other things. So there are countries which took it forward and, you know, kind of took much earlier initiatives to set up schools where you can learn about textile, te- textile printing, textile techniques, weaving techniques, knitting techniques. Mm. Though India was one of the largest uh, manufacturers of textiles, generated a lot of revenues with exports. Uh the institute which taught textile design came much later. Hmm. I'm from Ahmedabad, by the way. And Ahmedabad had, Ahmedabad at one point of time was declared as the Manchester of India. Manchester in UK was a uh, textile hub. Hmm. I, my childhood was spent in, you know, in in Ahmedabad where, I mean, you hop onto any uh, three, four storied building the only thing that one saw was these, you know, mill chimneys. I mean, there were like almost hundred and twenty plus uh, mills in Ahmedabad. Wow! So when such an industry exists, nobody thought of setting up a textile institute, mm. which would teach textile. Textile research happened, but that again happened in early. 50s Mm -hmm. so this is where i think uh, we probably in a way miss the boat Mm -hmm. i don't know whether this is slightly a
1: historical angle or maybe a more um, in-depth historian would be able to tell us but from what i understand what you're saying is that there has been a lot of crafts and design-centric material happening within our society on a day-to-day basis, like even bamboo craft yeah, yeah. uh, and textile and All other things, right? crafts. Yeah. So we never really wanted a special institute to go and learn that. Is that a, a, a correct articulation? There
2: you go. And because once you set up an institute, it would become only, you know, it would only be kind of serving one kind of industry. Mm but when some decisions were taken by indian government to set up design institutes it was more inclusive so you're not just teaching only one kind of craft or one kind of skills yeah and that i think was a brilliant decision because design today is no more just verticals mm. of skills that you that you possess mm, uh, mm. it's it's kind of Hops across your own uh, boundaries, you know. Mm.
1: Yeah, and we were solving our problems anyway. So,
2: design essentially, everyone was designing. <laughs> this is a very interesting uh, point about: do designers actually solve problems, mm-hmm. or do we resolve issues? Uh, from that perspective, uh, you know, I think yes. In in some cases, we do solve problems. Yeah. But maybe in the bargain, we create a set of other problems, Mm. you know. Uh, Now, if I I take this, uh, you know, argument a little forward, um, say, for example, when a hardcore uh, aircraft engine uh, developers or, you know, jet propulsion experts, actually, in a way, in two sense of the word, solve problems. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because if they don't solve the problem, I mean, the life of 300 people is at stake. Mm. But when I'm solving on, you know, in-flight experiences of passengers, I'm actually not solving a problem that can be life and death. Mm. Okay. So there are... I mean, See, what I'm trying to say is there are several critical issues about the problem itself that you need to look at. So if I see a problem as one one long tube, the top of the tube probably is a problem that is less critical to solve.
3: Mm.
2: And the depth of the tube probably has the most critical problems that needs to be solved. Mm. Design may contribute to solve the problem. Mm. Uh, So we are not the only ones who are problem solvers in that sense of the word.
3: Mm.
2: I think everyone and every profession that is involved in creating either a thought process or a message or a product or a product system or a paradigm shifts in, in technology all solve problems with varying degrees of criticality mm, mm. a top being probably the least critical you know maybe it's just about having some fun you know but it is a it is a problem that needs to be solved. I mean, if I design a good looking car, amazing looking car, but, you know, every morning I have to spend 15 minutes to start. Hmm. Now, which is a critical problem now is the appearance and the aesthetics or probably uh, hmm. what's multi-layered. Yeah. 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 So I, I think it's a combination of all. Mm-hmm, yeah, Interesting. Yeah. In fact, there's a philosophical
1: uh, discussion which I had with my friend earlier, and I don't know whether it fits in nicely, but it's a very nice articulation. Like, uh-huh. uh, I guess Ramkrishna Paramahans once said that if there's a still water, and you throw a stone, there are ripples created. So it's very inevitable that if there's a up, then there's a equal down, right? So you create something which you which is Hopefully going to solve a problem, but there will be a trade-off that there will be a downside to it
2: somewhere or the other, right? (laughs) I couldn't agree with you more. The kind of complexity that we live today uh, to to look at a problem that you solve without creating any other, um, you know, side effect, Hmm. so to speak, Yeah. Yeah. is ideal. I mean, I, I think everybody would like to solve a problem that doesn't trigger another set of minor problems. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember when, um, you know, um, uh, some interesting technology came in, everybody went gaga over it. And today, if you ask the so-called uh, the millennials, m- millennials, they don't even know about that technology. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, and if today everybody's talking about IoT. I'm, 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 I'm very sure. Twenty years from now, or maybe even five years from now, it probably would be uh, saying, you know, what is it? I mean, yeah. it, it probably would sound very, very old. Mm. So yes, I think there are, um, you know, there are there are amazing uh, parallels that you can draw between solving a problem and creating a problem. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, so in one of your articles
1: online, uh, you mentioned design education makes students become uh, responsible citizens. So if you can elaborate more on that, uh,
2: what did you mean? What was the context? And yeah, Sure. See, um, designers by their nature of work, yeah, the kind of design problems that we're trying to solve, uh, I think we need to understand various aspects of users. Markets, the economics therein, social patterns, and many other things get attached to design problem solving. Hmm. The fact that design integrates itself with um, you know many other established professions, uh, just to name a few, uh, and this is not the whole list: medical and medical science, uh, medical and medicine sciences, engineering, social sciences, technology, visual arts, performing arts, etc. So designers do tend to develop a better understanding of the environment that we live in, users live in, mm-hmm. correct? The, mm-hmm. the environment in general. And if you're not responsive to that environment, yeah, you may not be able to justify your design intent and the solution which is meant for that environment. Mm-hmm. So designers do tend to kind of borrow a lot of things from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Through observations. Yeah. Through I very, very very conscious interactions sometimes you know doing uh, what we call user research market research you know uh, competition uh, scenario research all this gives you a certain sense of uh, clarity about what is this world that you're trying to solve a problem for mm-hmm. now the moment i have these triggers coming in or these uh, checkpoints coming in you automatically would become more responsive mm-hmm you know so say for example i'm i'm sure if somebody's solving a a problem of you know how to make a a car extremely safe now when i say extremely safe now when you talk about safety in cars extremely needs to be defined hmm. i mean when we say extremely safe i mean are we saying that even if i'm travelling at 250 kmph Uh, And if I ram into a a vertical uh, metal wall, uh, I should be safe. Mm. Correct? Now, from that perspective, I know I can make a car, but then it'll be very expensive, very heavy, uh, you know, difficult to maintain and so on and so forth. So this entire outlook towards understanding what is happening around me makes me more responsible. Mm. uh, In that sense. Um, Or... or
1: if I can say that knowing the constraints which you're working in,
2: does that also make more responsive? That is, of course, yes. But then, you see, the the other point that I want to kind of add is, um, you know, if you're not responsive to the environment, you may not be able to justify, as I said earlier, your design intent. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, In today's context, a designer has to be technologically and socially very sensitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Uh, to be able to offer solutions that work without any major uh, uh, negative effects or difficulties. Mm. So you see desi- desi- designer's role is more of an integrator uh, you know of all disciplines put together. Mm. That's why typically design doesn't have a very well defined textual Boundary. books. Mm. And of course uh, boundaries you know the The the, the area within which you can, you know, it confines you to only work on certain areas. Mm. I mean, say, for example, if you're trying to solve a problem of old age homes, or you've you've been asked to design an old age home, you just don't reduce it to architecture and nice looking rooms in which old people can live. I think the first response to designer, whoever is designing that, He's saying, why do people ask their old parents to go away from their own homes? (laughs) Now, this, I I mean, just a small example. This is what I meant by makes you more responsible. The moment you are designing something like this, you automatically would tend to relate within your own world. Mm. Am I being fair or whatever to my own parents, you know? So there's more psychological part to it. It's back and forth. When I solve a problem, I actually empathize with that problem. So this back and forth makes us more and more responsible is mm. what I really meant. Um, you see, the other one is, you know, without being responsible, you will probably, um, is an assumption, you'll probably generate a new design solution or an idea, which in the long run may not really work. Hmm. Meaning you've just solved a problem here and now, and that's about it, you know. And you got paid for it. But a solution that's that's more long-lasting. Mm. You have to see it through. Yes, the ideal solution. Mm. Okay, so this is what uh, you, know, you know. We, in a way, or
1: should I put it this way that when you are trying to solve a problem uh, because of the given constraints. uh, it, it will resonate with my profession we build mvps right minimum viable viable products. product yeah. and then you go deeper into solving and then like refining the product as you go along so it's not just one attempt you make and the problem is solved right you keep going deeper and deeper into the problem statement and trying to explore or discover
2: new facets Correct. as to how we can make life simple this now, I'll go back to the analogy that I gave you was that pipe. Hmm. So you keep going deeper into that pipe of problem. Hmm. And when you hit the bottom, that's where you actually look at the criticality that you need to solve. Hmm. The journey, in my opinion, is very essential. That's why even in my lot of transactions with my client, uh, my students, the people that I work with, I always say that what, how critical is this problem to be solved? Hmm. Is it just for... More sales, do you want to, me to do something or is it something else? Mm. So, I, I mean, to use a slightly more cliched term, am I designing it for market or am I designing it actually for the user? Mm-hmm. So this is what I meant by being responsible. Mm-hmm. Because designers solve all kinds of problems. you know. And I'm sure people who you have interviewed earlier... Must have designed, uh, you know, for markets only for sales, only to increase the profits, and also some projects they have done which actually touches people Correct. in the true sense of the word, and you, you're actually talking to a a man or a person or a user, and not just for sales and you know yeah. those forty five degree sales charts that we normally mm-hmm. see. Mm. So that makes us little more sensitive, mm. little more responsible. Yeah, Yeah, I
1: remember one interview with uh, uh, Gaur Racer from IDC and um, he works in the field of ergonomics. So he was trying to actually, he has been in that profession to improve lives of brick workers Mm -hmm. who squat and work towards that, right? So it's, that solution is completely for the user. There's no... Obviously, there would be some sort of a profit angle to it. But it's uh, purely solving a particular problem. But then how deep? Because if you go deeper and deeper, eventually, like, I don't know, I'm sounding a bit loud, but you'll reach
2: Buddha level, right? (laughs) I mean, then this birth is the only problem. Then I agree. Now, when you, okay, just. Um, expand on the term, the the level of reaching the Buddha. Mm. I think that self-awareness is what is very important in design. Mm. Yeah. I wouldn't look at it as if uh, that I'm, you know, uh, I'm going away from this Maya. Mm. Okay. Uh, Just to remind myself uh, to go back to what you were saying, uh, I have been very passionate about design for social and special needs. Okay, and this is a course that I offer at MIT Institute of Design. Mm. Uh, students actually take up challenges which are for people like, let's say you, you you talked about people who work at construction sites, people who work at you know road constructions and people who are old age, uh, uh, you know, design for the old age people and geriatric application, science of old age. Uh, people who have met with accidents, who've lost their limbs and, you know. Now, some of these problems are that depth of the pipe that I was talking about. Mm. So you're not doing something just to increase your sales. It's a different kind of a mind that you require to design a solution for those things rather than, you know, designing a me too product or a one more, another good looking product and increase my sales for a company. Mm. So we are very conscious that, uh, you know, we must think through all kinds of problems that may come by your way in your design career mm. uh, i have done a lot of work from 1981 to 1986 uh, for uh, design for health uh, wherein we worked with people who were ataxic uh, people who were autistic people who had uh, learning difficulty people who who had a disability of a certain kind mm. both physical mental you know uh, people with visual impairment for six long years, I mean, this is the only thing that I designed. Mm-hmm. So it is interesting how several of these kinds of design challenges that you've dealt with, I'm sure you become a slightly different individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was the premise in which I Can was it. actually yes. talking about being responsive and uh, responsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: Beautiful. The next question which I want to ask you is uh, actually... So I keep swinging between this general uh, school of classical school of learning where you Mm -hmm. have a guru, you have a Mm -hmm. um, there's a shisha and you learn. And then there is the new age people who are learning through different various channels, uh, self-taught designers. I don't want to discriminate them, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to just genuinely understand that uh, what difference does it make? If you have a formal education, mm. uh, as opposed to, or let me put it this way, I'll divide into two parts. One is, mm. can you really learn from YouTube? <laughs> ah, <you're laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, that's yeah.
2: Uh, uh, I I I think, of course, yes. I mean, there is no question about this. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can learn from YouTube, hmm. and you may also not learn from YouTube now let me let me just go uh, you know explain this hmm. if it is about skills hmm. okay where i have a seed in me let's say there is a dancer sitting inside me yeah and i like dancing maybe closed doors and i i, I like dancing or i like singing or i like painting or whatever you know uh, yeah my core profession may be something else okay I know, you know, probably you would also know uh, if you watch any of these television uh, serials on dance and singing and talent and like India's Got Talent. Mm. Yeah, I've I've noticed so many participants when the judges ask them the question and saying, where did you learn this? And the guy pops and goes and says, "Uh, YouTube, sir. Mm. (laughs) And I'm not surprised. I mean... uh, you know, so yes there are tutorials that people have put together on you know such uh, online content and you can of course learn from it the the o- only thing that i see very positive about this is that you know it you you, you get it whenever you want it hmm. on demand it, yes i mean it it, it, it it's right there uh, you know i can play it back, back and forth, you know, learn that step if I'm learning hip-hop or, I don't know, the other kinds of uh, dance forms. So I, which I probably may not be all that flexible uh, uh, to do when I'm actually attending, uh, you know, a proper teacher Classful and session. a you know, guru who comes to teach and, you know. So yes, I think uh, it is. It, 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 it is here to stay. Mm. I don't think we can just Turn our back and say, "Oh, come on, no, that's that's not okay." You know, mm. it is, of course, okay, and people do learn so many things. Mm. We get so many students, um, you know, who learn certain skills by just, uh, you know, uh, online content, uh, mm. YouTube, and others as well. Mm. No, but if I may refine it and say, can design be learned on YouTube? The answer is yes. The only problem is that you need to understand design probably with little more inclusive learning environment. Mm. The the very act of design needs some level of criticism, mm. some level of feedback, which probably online may not be all that easy. See, when you enroll yourself in a design school, you're not, not just learning from a faculty, you're also learning from 200 others who are around you mm. and few other 100 who are senior to you mm. and I'm, I'm 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 very sure students learn as much from their their peers and their colleagues in form of discussions in form of critiques in form of maybe heated debates and arguments and you know that is something that you probably miss out when you're learning online mm-hmm. uh, so therefore in design being a profession where Uh, You're not just talking about a skill development. Mm. Uh, It's also cognitive development. It is also social development that you are, you know, that you're experiencing. You you kind of going through that, that change inside you as a, as a young design learner. Mm. Uh, Therefore, I think a setup of a, a design school or a design institute or some sort of other design group of people sitting together and learning and teaching Mm. design.
1: And how critical is this uh, in terms of weightage? I mean, there is skill part which you learn on your own, probably on YouTube as well. But there are these interpersonal skills which you live and learn and feel, experience when you are around with people. So in terms of weightage, because that could be a deciding factor as well,
2: right? In my opinion, very, very important. Very important. Uh, The reason being, is that if you, if you, again, look at design and not really talking about a particular specialization of design, hmm. so roughly there are skill sets that you must have and that you must excel. So there, there could be representation skills, drawing skills, ideational skills, all of that. To some extent, this can be learned online. But the cognitive skills, you know, is something that I think the best you learn is when you are amongst people. When you see others work, you see how others have tried to solve the same problem uh, very differently than what you have done. I think that cognitive give and take is something that can only happen when you're offline. And the third part is, um, you know, to be able to find your own location. I mean, where are you among so many minds that you're co-learning with? Correct. I'm, I'm not saying comparison. Mm-hmm. I'm saying your own abilities uh, to look at and define the very problem. I mean, how do I define my problem? Will lead me to a set of another solution. If I define it differently, it will probably lead me to another solution. So that I think best happens when you are amongst people.
3: Mm, interesting.
1: That's
2: why this whole new um, method mm. of co-creating, co-learning has been now bouncing back and then, you know, online is taking probably a backseat, you know. Mm. So, yes, YouTube, yes, as I said, and probably no uh, when we are talking about other levels of learning. Correct, correct. And to add to that uh,
1: same question, which was like, I want a very, yeah, non-judgmental, obviously, which will happen anyways, but a pure observation with respect to like a self-taught designer versus academically trained designer and this is my personal quest as well because uh, i am a self-taught designer and i feel sometimes that uh, there are these traditional things like color theory or those kind of like nuances right which which i'm not like academically trained to understand but over a period of time i've gained experience and i understand some bits of it so how like since you have worked with different people as well, what are your observations with it?
2: (laughs) I promise to be non-judgmental. Okay. (laughs) So, no, you see, uh, let's go a little deeper into this idea of what is self-taught. Okay. Even if I'm in an institute, enrolled as a regular student, there are many things that I learn on my own. Hmm. So I don't think... This is so critical as a, as a question. There are some people who would go beyond what is being taught to them. Mm-hmm. See, formal education in any field, it will take you only to a certain level. Mm-hmm. You know, The risk is any way you self-learn. Mm-hmm. I mean, say, for example, when I graduated from a design school in Ahmedabad, National Institute of Design, they never taught me how to start a design school which I did in 2006. They never taught me how to set up a f- factory, which I did in 1996. I mean, honestly, I, I don't think that divide should be so critical. Mm. There are so many things that uh, you will learn on the job. Yeah. Mm. So education institutions will provide you just that impetus, you know, that they would provide you with that foundation. They will, they will give you opportunities to practice some of these things as a project level.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, say, for example, most design uh, schools around India, overseas, uh, have project-based education. What are we doing in project-based education? You're teaching your own self. When i say, for example, you're wearing these uh, over the year headphones, and, you know, if you were to design over the year headphones... I mean, I'm not holding your hand as a faculty and saying, Kedar ye karlo, wo karlo. you are self-teaching you. Mm-hmm. It, just hap- it just so happens that you're self-teaching yourself in a, in a design studio, whereas in the other case, you're doing it probably at your home, in your office, or somewhere else, where you're solving a problem.
1: No, but then I'll refine it again. I understand where you're coming from, but then how critical that foundation level knowledge is in the current time, especially in the current time where things are
2: changing at a rapid pace, right? No, I will go back to, again, what I was saying, that whether you learn about the basic design courses, basic design skills, skills of color, color psychology, color replication, interaction of color, drawing, different kinds of drawings. Anatomy. All, all of that, all of that put together, yeah? But when you learn that amongst others... And when you learn it only online and staying at home, I do probably feel that that may make a difference. Mm. But then finally, it is still about what you have learned. Mm. Even when a student does drawing amongst 200 odd students and one guy who's doing it all by himself, I think it still is a matter of intensity and dedication with which you're doing Mm. uh, will make the difference. So it's either ways to me, I wouldn't be too bothered about it. Uh, At the same time, if you have been uh, through that collective learning, I think you probably would be slightly better off. Mm -hmm. But then it again is a matter of opportunity and, um, you know, your your own hard work that one puts in. Or your personal quest which you have. That finally is the decider. Mm. You see, how intense are you as a learner? Mm. See, I, I keep saying that there is nothing interesting for somebody who is uninterested. <laughs> mm. Okay? Uh, no matter how much ever you make him excited about, make him more excited about something, if you're not interested, you will actually not learn. Mm. You're not learning anything. Mm. Yeah? So as i said you know there are people who have made their own uh, through their own hard work through their own intensity uh, have become fantastic professionals mm-hmm. i know a guy um, you know whose mother was unwell and he decided uh, he was is a, a businessman but he decided to learn homeopathy he never went to any school mm-hmm. and He's practicing. <laughs> After that, he went and enrolled himself to a school, just to be safe. <laughs> no, because you, you can't practice otherwise. Yeah. You know? <laughs> in design, probably it is not so critical today. Mm, mm. Uh, unlike probably in architecture, you know that you can't design a building uh, minus uh, the degree in architecture. You can't sign mm. on the municipal drawings. Uh, you need to be a you know certified Atherist, yeah. architect. Mm. Yes, from that perspective, yes. But otherwise, in terms of uh, ability to learn, I think uh, finally the intensity is the decider.
3: Mm-hmm-hmm.
2: On a funny note, I, I don't know how
1: like uh, connected it is, but I had some time back I had read one funny line which says that teaching is like dieting, right When you are teaching, you don't know whether the student is learning when you are dieting you don't know whether you're losing weight or not <laughs> so so it all depends on actually yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. the the student it's a difficult uh, thing to do believe yeah, me yeah yeah uh, i i i have a very simple um, understanding of teaching hmm. in fact you are making a student learn hmm. you actually can't teach hmm. you can only make somebody learn hmm. and there are different ways to make somebody learn hmm. you know uh, you you share you opine you f- you you give a critical feedback, you create a scenario mm. yeah now that is not necessarily teaching mm. it's only sharing correct and you see when you share as a design faculty or a design mentor, you actually in in turn also become a ghost designer for the student mm. because every problem that I'm giving a feedback on I also need to understand that problem. Mm. And if I can't understand the problem, I probably will not be able to give a constructive feedback to the learner. Mm -hmm. So that way, you know, being a design academician, I think it works amazingly because you learn constantly. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I mean, I can already see the level of projects that, uh, you know, I started teaching from 1981 onwards, and the kind of design projects that the students do today. Is f- way different than what was being done in early eighties and nineties. Mm. So for me, that's that's a learning curve. Mm. I mean, I am, I got to be blind not to see that difference. You know, the, 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 in fact, it's a paradigm shift.
3: Mm.
2: So a lot of students want to work with technology. They want to productize technology, productize technology to create uh, amazing products. Mm. Yeah, whereas um, if I'm not with them. Mm. I can't share with them. Then, So I also have to be on my toe. Yeah. Uh, that way, a lot of people think, you know, being a faculty is an easy job. So just go, mm-hmm. uh, you know, say something to the student. No, it doesn't work. And the young learners are far, far demanding. Mm. No, in fact, in my, uh, my perspective, at least the topmost
1: responsibility is probably parents and the second topmost is a faculty, faculty, a teacher. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. yeah. And obviously, there could this purely like art of teaching demands a separate audio game session, which we'll probably <laughs> <know>. later on. <laughs> um, so, sir, last two questions. Of yes. What What are the key attributes uh, to be found in oneself to get into the world of design? Because you're dealing with students, mm-hmm. so. I'm I'm sure this yeah, must yeah. be a common question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sure, 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 That should I get into it? What is it that? Uh, yes, one. There is an internal drive. Yeah. One, there is peer pressure. Yeah, yeah. But not to swayed away by those things and really understand that am I meant for this profession? Yeah, yeah. So what could be those key cat- attributes or characteristics?
2: Okay. See, in my opinion, one of the foremost attribute or the characteristics or the key uh, aspect of you to be able to become a designer is openness to learn. I think you probably will not become a very sensitive designer if you say, no, that's not what I want to learn. I I want to learn what I'm good at. I, I don't want to make attempts in doing something which I'm not good at. So openness to learn. Openness to absorb, openness to listen to people, openness to to appreciate an opinion. Yeah, I think that in every aspect of the word openness, mm. socially open. You know, uh, hear out somebody's uh, uh, argument, somebody's point of view. In that sense, I think uh, you know that's the most primary. Uh, Uh, quality that a designer must have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And secondly, uh, yes, of course, uh, you know, the sense of curiosity uh, and keen, very keen sense of observation. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we, we say that, you know, uh, uh, one of the most important ability of a designer is, of course, everything that we talked about earlier, you know, be able to draw, be able to Visualize, be able to do this, be able to do that, so be that able to give scales, solution. Yeah, yeah the, all the archetypes. Yeah, To me, the, one of the most important attribute of a designer is to even identify a relevant problem hmm. in the environment, in the society that needs to be solved by using design thinking and design processes. So that is to me also very important uh, key attribute that Mm -hmm. be able to even find problem which nobody has seen it as a problem
3: Mm -hmm.
2: or seen it as a situation that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. So this is also one of the very, very important key uh, attribute. um, For this,
1: they have, I think travel is a good option because uh, when you travel, because you may not really see it as a
2: problem unless you
1: have seen a better solution
2: right <laughs> travel keeping your sensorial self completely opened mm. you know so that you keep absorbing become like a sponge you mm-hmm. know keep absorbing things around correct and somewhere you begin to then synthesize mm-hmm. begin to relate correct that ability to synthesize be able to relate be able to club some things together and create a meaningful whole Mm. I think that's a very, very key attribute of a designer. Mm. See, th- so now this takes us back to uh, what we were discussing. The other skills that you can learn online. Some of these things, mm. you need to be with people around you. Wow, nice. <laughs> yeah? So th- th- yeah. that is the model that I probably would suggest. There's another thing which I think is a very important, linked to what I was just saying earlier, is a very holistic approach towards everything that you do. Mm. even if you're solving a very minuscule problem, but see it in its entirety, see it in in its complete uh, completeness. Mm. Uh, If if you're designing a keychain, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure that sounds uh, very funny Mm. because today we talk about digital keys and uh, all of that, yeah. Mm. Uh, You just knock three times on your door and the door opens. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. but what about the key and its holistic uh, sense? Mm-hmm. Now, if you if you are able to think this very naturally, I think design is your calling. Mm-hmm. There are there are youngsters that we get. I mean, you know, people who want to learn design, they have that ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't
1: remember the name of the designer, but uh, there's a very famous quote, right? Think of a, when you think of a chair, don't think of a chair. Uh, think of the room in which it is in. Correct. When you think of that room, don't think of that room, but which house it is Correct. in, which and yes. so on and so forth, till Absolutely. probably the city in which the chair is in.
2: So right. the system so, mm. within which things exist today. Yeah, and and I think design has entered that critical zone where you can't just effort to solve a problem. You'll have to keep the complete system in mind. Mm. Yeah. Uh, The other thing which I think, um, you know, uh, uh, what is important for designers today is you should be able to break certain stereotypes and paradigms.
3: Mm.
2: I mean, when you solve a problem within the same paradigm, you're creating one more product. Mm. But the moment you shift your paradigm and then question everything around it, it's quite likely that you've created a product which is of a different uh, league altogether. Jump the cow, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you decide where you want to belong. It's Mm. like that, you know, need hierarchy pyramid. Mm -hmm. The top of the pyramid is discoveries and inventions. Mm. The bottom most is the basic needs. You decide where you want to belong. Mm. That I think if you have... An in, you know, like an innate ability, mm. then design is the calling. Mm.
1: Interesting. Yeah,
2: I'll probably put these as top five
1: <laughs> key huh? attributes. I'll put this on the website as like top five attributes uh, of but, being a good designer. But you, yeah.
2: but you see, uh, now, again, there are a lot of people who have these attributes mm. who probably are not designers. Mm. You know? So the question is, will they become a good designer if they had the opportunity to do this in their lives? The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But with the same attributes, if he can also become a very successful businessman or a lawyer mm-hmm. or a doctor. I know a doctor uh, who was my my, my thesis guide, uh, co-guide, uh, uh, Dr. Tejas Nayak. He's a pediatric surgeon. And last Two years back, I got his phone number from some friends around in Ahmedabad and I gave him a call. And I said, Dr. Nayak, uh, do you remember me? My name is Dimant. You, in, you know, 1980, uh, 79, 80, you, you were my guide for my graduation project. So he said, of course, I know you, Dimant. And, you know, how are you doing this and that? So I asked him, I said, Dr. Nayak, what are you doing? He said, I've stopped practicing as pediatric surgeon many many years ago hmm. in fact a decade ago and he's a full-time painter <laughs> wow <laughs> he's a full-time artist hmm. who does his exhibitions in Mumbai in Ahmedabad he commissions jobs he says I've forgotten forgotten in the sense I don't relate with that world anymore hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it was so lovely He he's saying that um, you know today it doesn't bother me as to how much money do I get out of selling a painting because it's gone that full cycle the Buddha phase (laughs) so this I think is very important attribute Um, keep rediscovering yourself Mm. you know Uh, uh, and if that happens you will also probably be able to make things which people would love to use Mm. you know enduring experiences in that sense yeah okay Uh, cool Uh, so
1: Neiman sir I want to just conclude with uh, one last question Mm -hmm. Um, and this is again given your education
2: okay just before you proceed Kedar just want to conclude with one last uh, point about attributes Uh is one attribute which I think is also very important is ability to comprehend complex layers of problem Mm. because problem is not just one entity, you know, the problem has layers in it, Mm. okay, so if you are able to understand that complexity of the problem itself, I think it's an important attribute uh, that uh, you must have. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's nicely put. Yeah. Um, Sir, I would like to conclude with one
1: last question, like what's your long-term vision about design education in India? Um, and this could be it's very tough to in the current time at least to visualize or envision fifty years out, but mm-hmm. if we can just uh, okay, yeah share your but, yeah, vision sure, sure.
2: My, my good feeling is maybe i'm I'm not fully uh, uh experienced enough to say this, uh, but i I do see that these traditional verticals of design. Hmm. product design and graphic design and you know exhibition design or furniture design interior design whatever yeah is probably going to break down these walls will disappear for sure that is something which i'm i'm very confident about hmm. uh, because technology is be- is becoming a great and a grand leveler uh, i mean there are so many things which are just knocking the door around the corner yeah peeping in AI is is being questioned, you know, people are feeling threatened, you know. Uh, so, yes, I, I, I think, you know, uh, today product design is just no more uh, a hard product with some technology inside and some buyers going in and coming out and few switches that you press. Uh, from that perspective, uh, design is going to expand. For instance, I mean, there are so many of our graduates who are working in uh, digital space, uh, working with insurance companies, and they actually go through the same design process, which a typical product designers would go through. And at the end, they're also calling their solution as product. Hmm. It's a soft product, but nonetheless, it's a product. It has already started. I mean, we already are uh, uh, in touch with few industries. And they're coming back to us and saying, well, you know, we are not hard product guys. We are soft product guys. Mm. So do you have people who can actually understand us? UX is another great leveler. Yeah. So Mm. I do see that it eventually probably would break down, but your core design skills probably would remain the same. Mm your ability to look at things in entirety mm. and everything that we just talked about earlier mm. that can't go it's like mathematics right, right. i mean no matter how uh, uh, experimental the mathematics as a as a, as a science or as a as a fundamental uh, uh, science 1 plus 1 will probably remain 2 mm-hmm. uh, yeah mm. so from that perspective yes you 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 cognitive uh, qualities will remain more or less the same. Mm-hmm. You're finally solving a problem in some way or the other. Okay. But so is it safe to say that, uh,
1: this is what I'm reading from your what you're saying, that in the future,
2: designers will become generalist as opposed to specialist. In fact, Professor Kumar Vyas, who was my teacher and my guru, hmm. always said that our specialization Is because we are generalist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yes, that's the way I also do see it. Mm -hmm. Because future challenges will probably be also wanting us to look at many other aspects which today we don't look at. Mm. Yeah, maybe we are not even prepared for it. Uh, One of the examples is, uh, everybody talks about India having the largest population of young people in the country yeah but Kedar nobody talks about what will happen when this half a billion people will grow up to be the age of 55 60 Mm -hmm. the number of hospitals that you would need the number of beds that you would need (laughs) nobody's even talking about it and being prepared for it from now onwards it's just as example uh, you know just to tell you that future problems will be of a very different kind mm. so you can't just say okay I, I will solve only a problem which relates to product design you know hospital bed but the hospital bed in 19, uh, 2040 will probably not look like the bed of today mm. it can't you know that I think is what we need to also as design educators and design thinkers need to understand. Beautiful. Uh, uh, it is complicated. It's scary. It's, but for example, you know, uh, there are some countries who've taken a call, if I'm not mistaken, was Finland, that students will no more write. Hmm. They'll only type. That's scary also. Correct. So, but motor skills and all like very correct. primary. But then, then the whole question is again, what we were discussing. What's the future of design? I mean, uh, uh, for example, I don't know how much do you actually write today? Yeah. Physically. Physically. Exactly. Only in banks if I don't have uh, the, like then, a pen card. <laughs> and that probably only for your signature. <laughs> you write your signature. That's about hmm. it. Majorly. Yeah, it's already started with the uh, people like me, who, who's 63 years old. So why n- do I need to, t- the kid who is right now, mm. the child who is right now, four years old, why should I teach him how to write?
1: In fact, it's going further. You maybe only you have to speak and not Correct. even type. <laughs> so yeah, so it's I, very I difficult to predict. So f-
2: what I'm saying is technology would be a major influencer. For all design disciplines to revisit their own fields of design, their own specializations of design. Uh, the needs are going to change, and so will the approach mm-hmm. to design. There are you know all design institutes are looking at this. It's not mm-hmm. that we are the only ones who are doing it. Yeah. There are a lot of faculty members who are also raising these concerns in design conferences and, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but whatever it is, is going to be fascinating. Yeah. That I'm very sure.
1: Even I am because of the optimistic view, which I yes, have. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. You, I think uh, this is a good note to end this. Uh, obviously, there's plenty of things to be spoken about and I wish I can do another podcast where uh, a few like-minded minds like you discussing design
2: education and other aspects of it. So, thank you. Before we conclude, yeah. uh, this was something which I wanted to suggest mm-hmm. that could we actually have a, a kind of a roundtable discussion yeah. on topics that probably not directly related to design, but you know, still has some bearing over design, mm-hmm. design practice, design education, ethics of design. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Something which is much softer, but probably also more critical. Mm. I would be happy to, uh, to to organize, you know, can offer you my own infrastructure if in case you want it. We can even do a video recording, uh, whatever. Uh, yeah. this So just for you to mull over and think. Sure, about. sure. Yeah. I'll
1: definitely yeah. want to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, right now <laughs> to just conclude this episode. <laughs> thank thank you, you, sir, for really coming all this, like all the way till the studio and giving your time and it was really wonderful talking to you. A lot of Things to ponder upon, a lot of food for thought here. And uh, definitely, it helps uh, budding designers and people like me also to reevaluate or introspect about where we are heading as designers.
2: Thank you so much, Kedar, for even inviting me here. Mm. And, uh, you know, uh, I-, I think more views coming in, more people sharing their experiences definitely would uh, create a very amazing. Knowledge of what design and the kind of design philosophy people follow in India. See, very often I think uh, f- most people think that design comes from the other countries to India, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't think is entirely true. Maybe in few cases, yes, but you know, design has a very different uh, meaning, a different ethos uh, when it comes to Indian design. So mm-hmm. thank you very much for inviting me yeah, it was and hope my to hope to uh, engage with you once again. Sure. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. That's it.
0: And that's it from today's Gyan Session. Catch us on iTunes, Savan, Stitcher or any podcasting app you use. Do read us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Stay tuned for more Gyan on audiogyan.com. Till then, bye. Hello! It's been a great week on the IVM Podcast Network. On this round is on me, Gauri is joined by Shweta Nanda. They talk about the financial independence and how it is to be a woman entrepreneur. On Anish thing Anish welcomes ultra-marathon runner Shivani Gharat. Shivani shares her journey of how she ran her first marathon, the mindset of a runner, and what it actually takes to run a full marathon. On Cock and Bull, Cyrus, Naveen, Akash, and Shreyas talk about the Korean band BTS serving in the military and its repercussions. On Think Fast, Varun and Suchita discuss Wing Greens and their latest acquisitions and about the Indian sexual wellness market. And on Shuniwan, Srila Ditya is joined by Dinika Bhatia, CEO and founder of Natigrities. They talk about coming from a business family and Dinika's journey in creating healthy and guilt-free snacking. Once again, don't forget to visit our merch store on ivmpodcasts.com. We have some exciting new merch out there for you. Also, do follow us on social media. We are podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. And do remember to spread the word about these shows and any other shows you might be listening to. Appreciate them, rate them, and review them wherever you are listening to them. You can also check out all our other shows on youtube.com slash Podcasts. And finally, we would like to thank our sponsors this week. Volvo XC40 Recharge, Bumble, Heads Up for Tails, Kotak Privy League Program, and HDFC Mutual Fund. Thanks, guys. Without you, this would not be possible. (laughs) Tune into new episodes coming out every Thursday on the IBM Podcast app and the website or wherever you get your podcasts from.